Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and today I've got my friend Todd Mulliken sitting in the studio with me, smiling away. He brought me a nice beverage. He brought Kim a beverage. We're all pretty happy today in a pretty good mood. We're going to talk about uh, navigating some relational issues, which Todd is a, an expert on. If you can, uh, if you want to learn more about Todd, you can go to his website, toddmulliken.com. Do you know what .com stores? Stands for? I don't, Bill. Okay. Should, I, should I know? Well, you should. Oh, okay. You should. It's in your website. <laughs> it means commercial. Yeah. It com Quiet. means commercial. Does no, it? I, I looked it up. Yeah. Oh. Well. The wisdom is flowing. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Odd, odd facts known by few. <laughs> I'm good with that kind of stuff. That's so good. I did not know that. Yeah, well, welcome I mean, to, I think of .org, you know. Like yeah, organization. organization or EDU, that's educational, Hello. right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Tom is commercial. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, that's a commercial enterprise that you have. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sharing. That's good to know. Mulliken.com. You can find out more about Todd there. You've written, you've written books. You're a professor. You're a counselor. Do you have a hat you enjoy wearing more than others? Oh, it's a great question. I think it's really tied between those two, the professor and the counselor okay. thing. Love them both. Yep. And that's why I think I'll probably just keep doing both. I know? love it. Yeah, I'm yeah. Great, grateful. Why slow down, right? Right. Yeah. It's, they're life-giving if you feel called to it, and yeah. it's a privilege to do it. Yeah. So, I, Tato, I'm always curious about the emotions behind the emotions. You know, if, you, if, if, you, if somebody says, you know, I'm angry um, and I feel helpless, are you just... Afraid and without a plan? Because mm. I think when you feel angry, I think what you are is afraid. Mm. You're, you're afraid of losing something you might love. Mm. Losing something you'll love. Especially if, if the person is saying they're angry and helpless uh-huh. at the same time. right? Yeah. If they're angry and you know uh, frustrated at the same time, I might have a different expression. Because typically we look at the second anger is a secondary emotion for hurt. So that person could be going through a hurt and is feeling helpless in the hurt, too, mm-hmm. right? But the helpless feeling is that despair piece. And we often talk about anger turned inward can be lead to depression or lack of energy or lack of decisiveness. Sure. Or excessive guilt and just yeah. feeling stuck, right? Yeah. And enough depression in a row can lead to despair and all kinds of problems for there, but I'm, I'm interested in the 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 emotions behind the emotions because I sometimes even myself I feel a certain feeling and I go okay what's behind that what's driving that that's so good well try to be and you're blessed to be a good thinker Bill too I think some of us are more thinkers than feelers and some of us are more feelers than thinkers mm-hmm. and I think it's a both and thing so if like I'm I'm more of a strong thinker. As well, so I am like you that way, where I have a heart. You know, what am I actually feeling, and what is that about? But if you think about it, you're thinking about your feeling, right? And that's good. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. And so you're diving into that and trying to figure out what feeling you're actually experiencing. And every client I see, I do hand out a feeling sheet that has 
main feelings on there, mad, sad, scared, joyful, powerful, peaceful, and then a bunch of feelings next to each of the six that are similar to that. And it really helps kind of what you're saying, like, hey, I'm feeling rejected in this relationship. Oh, actually, that's a scared feeling. Oh, so so rejection is next to scared. Does that make sense? So yeah. mm-hmm. you're, you're nailing it. I mean, that's really important for us in our life and integrating our faith into those spaces and understanding what's going on so we can, you know, go to the Holy Spirit with that. So it's really good to know those, you know, what feelings attached to what. Uh, and one of the big ones that I see is scared feelings. And um, so when I'm feeling inadequate, when I'm feeling insignificant, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling helpless, mm-hmm. those are all what we would call scared feelings. Yeah. So you're right when you say, you feel afraid. Yeah. Yeah. And anxiety is a scared feeling as well. And God says a lot about uh, mm. feeling afraid. And that's, you know, being out afraid is, you know, is all over. One, one of the top things Jesus talked about because he knows how easy it is for us to get there, right? Mm-hmm. So many different ways we can get there. Yeah. So when we feel hurt and that hurt doesn't get addressed, that can just produce pain. So our pain might just be hurt that was never addressed. Yeah. And, you know, I think... Could be temporary, could be something you had for a long time. Right. Yeah. And I think some of us might suppress it and avoid it. And so repression is one thing I think a lot of us do when we feel the pain. You know, we'll repress it down. Uh, And some of us, I think, maybe go outward with it and maybe take it out on somebody that we're close to. So it's natural to kind of fight with it or flight with it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So in the perfect world, what we're trying to do is, you know, is, you know, as that Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says there, when we're feeling that feeling, in this case, anxiety, Mm -hmm. we bring those, we bring this stuff to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit kind of comes in, he's already with us, but he indwells there. And now we kind of try to have a conversation with God about it. You know, what is going on here? God, bring truth to this for me. What What is the pain about? And, you know, my struggle there is I tend to just want to run with that and fix it right there versus just sit with the Holy Spirit in it for a little bit and have his comfort, have his advocacy help with that pain. So... Yeah, good point. When, when the pain, you know, when the uh, the anger, the hurt isn't addressed, it leads to pain, and then pain. We usually want to cope with it somehow. Mm-hmm. Either the fight or the flight is what I've seen. Yeah, a friend of mine the other day described um, his his uh, relative as uh, someone that liked to isolate. Mm. Uh, and, and it's a younger person. Okay, and I thought, well, why? Why the isolation? And then I tried to back it up a little bit and say, is there anxiety mm. that's creating the isolation? Because mm. if you have enough anxiety, aren't you going to want to just go be by yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And you said anxiety is the most common, you know, health concern in the world. Right. And one expression of it is avoidance and yep. going underground. The yep. other is actually to control and to manage and to handle the restlessness. Because anxiety is really known mostly by restlessness. And, mm-hmm. and so how do you and I, when we are anxious, instead of isolating or overmanaging others or our own life, how do we try to find rest in the Lord when we're restless? And there's so much about that, even mm-hmm. Psalm, Psalm 23, you know, 
how do we, how do I find rest, you know, in my good shepherd? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because you're right, it's a a great insight about what happens with the isolation. And some of us are, I think what's really been tricky, you know, as we, you know, venture out of COVID and stuff, but during COVID especially, um, if you were extroverted and you had, you, you kind of became more isolated, it was really a drain. But even working with introverts, which initially found it a little bit refreshing because they can have less and just feel more rest and quiet, there's still a, a fine line there moving from healthy kind of introspection and reflection as an introvert to isolation. And that, that isolation word oftentimes leads to despair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if I'm feeling anger, I'm not feeling anger today, but if I was, and I came to you and I said, Todd, I'm feeling angry. What leading question would you ask me? I suppose, what are you angry about? Yeah. Is there, so what's, is there a trigger right now that's triggering, that it's inflaming that? What if I can't put my finger on it? Yeah. Then we do a little exploration. You know, we, we do a little tour of the day, the week, the month. Uh, we get out the feeling sheet. What other feelings are you having? Mm-hmm. And that helps kind of the, for them to sort that out. And not in, you know, a half hour session or something, but letting them sit with it. And the first step is realizing that I am angry. And what is that about? Mm-hmm. And the scriptures are really clear about that as anger is an emotion that's there. <laughs> But how do we, if you will not sin in the anger, because anger is a delicate emotion, how do we handle that? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, that's flip, or Ephesians 4, 25 and 26, you know, in your anger, do not sin. Yep. Um, usually my, what I found, Bill, is some of us in our anger get really like uh, expressive in a way that is, um, can be unhealthy. And some of us, as you said, beautifully isolate with it and goes in and that's when depression comes. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So the anger part, though, Todd, when you start to feel like you can't put your finger on it and you start to think, well, if I can use my anger in a way to make a point or to have Hmm. some kind of, uh, get some kind of response out of somebody, then you can be used as a manipulative tool, can it? It can. Yeah. Yeah. Where almost the person's almost acting with their anger. Yeah, and the phrase I, I tend to use is let each other into what's going on for me versus take it out on yeah, somebody else. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, Todd Mulliken is my guest, and I've got we got all kinds of stuff we're going to cover today. That's what I love about Todd coming in the, in the on the show is we're going to cover all kinds of things. We're also going to talk about how to handle day-to-day difficult conversations with loved ones. If you have a question or a comment for Todd, let me know what it is. 877-933-248. Eight four again eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. According to Todd, he still has a website at toddmulliken.com, which I com stands for commercial. I just <laughs> taught him that today. Thanks for the commercial. Yeah, yeah. Of course, we'll be right back. If you'd like to know more about what it means to begin a relationship with Christ or to chat with someone about it. Just text the word FAITH to 41224. All right, I'm back with Todd Mulliken. Todd is a counselor, an author, a professor, 
You're doing a little workshop tonight, aren't you? Or your monthly workshop for soon-to-be-married couples. Yes. Do you look forward to that? I do. It's yeah. so fun. Give I me get, a sample could, of what you're going to talk about tonight. Uh, I talk sample. to them about ex, ex, how do we accept each other's differences. Yep. I talk about extrovert, introvert, uh, people that start things versus people that finish things, people that when you're talking to each other, you just want to funnel it in, and this is what I heard you say, that's it. And there are oftentimes with somebody that wants to explore a lot of ideas with it and they so how do we accept those differences versus trying to change each other? That's a big one. And then I talk about how to create a safe place as couples so we can be for each other in Christ and learn our tendencies under stress. Do we shut down? Do we kind of get loud? How do we navigate that? So my talk is they this talk is how does the two become one? And so my they want me to talk about how to prevent us from um, you know, how do we stay together? What are the things that make people more vulnerable to grow apart? Then the third thing I talk about is just some specific things women can do to bring out the best in their spouses and some things men can do. Mm-hmm. You know, it reminds me of a segment I did Monday uh, with my friend Patrick, and we were mm-hmm. uh, we, we saw something that Charlie Munger had written, and we both enjoyed it. And, you know, I'm going to run through this super quick yeah. just because you yeah, know, you're a counselor. But it was uh, 10 ways to ruin your relationship. <laughs> uh, don't talk when something is wrong. <laughs> you know? Oof, right? He takes the opposite approach. <laughs> I mean, this this is the whole point. Is yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll show you what not to do. Yeah. So, Love it. Uh, never give any ground. They'll admire your resilience. <laughs> <laughs> Be vague about your problems. You know? Of course, this is all wrong, Todd, right? right? No, I got yeah, it. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah. these. These are great. Yeah. Be quick to criticize their behavior. Never provide support. Choose a partner who has different values in as many areas as possible. <laughs> Think mainly about yourself. Don't tell the truth. Ideally, have nothing in common. <laughs> Hold a negative outlook on life. That was it. Whoa, those are quick and good. Well, I mean, yeah, that, I mean, those are those will grow you apart quick. They will, won't they? Yeah, yeah. I wonder how many couples when they start at your you know workshop tonight mm. are don't have as much in common as they really should to move forward. Yeah, and when you're courting, it's easy to not understand that yet. Yeah, because you're in the infatuation. You're, you're all about sales care. and marketing. <laughs> well, you're on your best behavior right. together. You are. Yeah, yeah. And this is a faith-based community, so they're feeling aligned by their faith in God, and you know, and loving each other in Jesus, and you know, it's it's all good at that point, right? Yeah. So, Todd Mullican, let's talk about how to handle day-to-day difficult conversations with loved ones. Mm. I mean, it's it's enough when you've got to sit down and have the big powwow. Yeah. What about just day-to-day stuff? Yeah. Uh, and I... Can I say powwow? If I, you did. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'm okay. good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just a, a meeting. A, yes. A little, we're hanging out. We're, we're trying to... Come to that, that moment where you have to have that... That talk. That talk, yeah. Yeah, so I try to have couples have regular connections, you know, a check-in daily. How, how's life? How are we doing? What's God doing? How are we doing? And then a, a Sunday summit thing. Okay. Where it doesn't have to be on Sunday, but where they sit down and look at their day, week, and month mm-hmm. and kind of plan it out. And then if they want to, they can talk about a couple things that they're most grateful about and maybe an area that feels difficult. So I think it, in a perfect world, it helps to create some space to know, hey, we're going to go there a little bit now, and how do we pray ahead about that and be for each other in that and do my best to present it well. But more often than not, the little tough conversations pop up when neither person is ready, if you will. Right, Bill? And so 
it's easy to blurt out. It's easy to get defensive. Uh, often, I've noticed mostly for the female in the lead out is her desires to be validated, and mostly for the male when they're leading out with a the conflict, they just want to feel like they're doing something right. In general, mm-hmm. it's different for every couple, but in general, that. And so, it happens when we're going into a difficult conversation about something we just disagree on, right? Whatever the issue is. Uh, the person who's on the receiving end is not in a great position to give the other person what they need right there because now they're on their heels by hearing something difficult. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I really help couples with is like, hey, um, nobody is amazing at this and let's, in a, a loving way, lower our expectations at some level mm-hmm. and know that we're still for each other but my capacity to validate perfectly if I feel interrogated is going to be really tough. My capacity to uh, really be there for you if you're criticizing me about something is, is tricky. It's hard, right? So how do we know, like, those are not easy conversations to ever do great at, but we're for trying to do those better. So the first thing I talk about is have reasonable expectations to each other about mm-hmm. that, right? Second thing I talk about is how do you know the other, know the other person's story. I know my spouse of 34 years and her story. She knows my story, where we've been, who we are, you know, our, our styles, our upbringings. We know each other's story. And am I seeing the other with like a, a sense of like, okay, they're frustrated with something. We're still together. I know we see that difference in this area of parenting or intimacy or finance or... Uh, politics or whatever the issue is, we, yes, but God's still on the throne and how do we just, but it helps a ton, Bill, I've noticed with couples if they ahead of time are seeing the other person's story. Like I, I see her, I see him in his story. I understand what they've been through, who they are. And that gives me just a little bit more of a grace muscle when I'm going into the fray. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing we've talked about before is how do we, in game, if you will, in the volleys, kind of clarify intentions. Like, you know, so you lead out towards me and it kind of comes off, I feel a little hot. Uh, and your intention wasn't to be like that. You were just trying to be direct with me. But by the time it gets from your mouth to, to my brain, I feel like, well, whoa, hey, you know, that's felt a little strong about that difference that we have about something, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, instead of me just saying, hey, tell me more or help me understand that more, I'm going to go, well, so if if I'm backing up on that, Bill, if I'm taking that in and going, you're kind of bringing some, I don't like the way that landed, then the rest of the conversation is going to be pretty difficult. Yeah. Right? So how do we in-game clarify, hey, it felt like this is what was coming at me. Was that your intent? No, I, I'm just feeling kind of strong about it, Todd, and I wanted to bring it up. You know, you know, we're good friends. I care about you. This is just something I got to talk about does that make sense mm-hmm. Whew, now we're good mm-hmm. sense? so that in-game clarifying is helpful todd would you say that couples that come into your counseling office arrive as people that want to be peacemakers mm-hmm. or do you think that there's too many issues and maybe too much anger and too many things unresolved because if they showed up saying our goal is to be peacemakers right. with each other Yep. You would act differently towards each other, wouldn't you? You would. Yeah. 
Yeah. What's my, and that's, we, you and I had a podcast about like the mindset matters, right? Yeah. Am I going, are we for each other? Are we peacemakers? Are we doing that? I usually tell couples a lot, get on, get on the Beatitudes train, right? Meek peacemakers, right? Get on that train. <laughs> yeah. Right. And see the other with that. We're for making peace versus scorekeeping and the big ones holding against. You know, we talked earlier in the show about what happens to stuff that just kind of stays stuck. Mm-hmm. It usually goes in that, you know, resentment bank. Yeah. And we yeah. hold against them. So then now you and I have had the fourth conversation about the same thing, and I already know where you're going to go with it. Okay. I know where, you know, I know where Bill's going with it, or if I'm with Laura, I know, I know where they're going. Here they go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, and now I'm just in a horrible place. Mm-hmm. Instead, well, I wonder where she's going with that, like because I'm for her, because I love her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got struggles, but, you know, I, I'm going to take off my Pharisee robe for a couple minutes, and what do you got, hon? Yeah. So that's so huge when couples do that. So huge when they when they can reframe it like that. But what happens in the back and forth, it, it moves from peacemaking to scorekeeping and interrogation and holding against. And that's where we're work I'm working with couples on slowing it down. And the other strategy I've been using the last um there's two things I've been using more the last year, Bill, and love to get your thoughts on it. One is is just doing it, having a redo as a couple. Like, you know, that, that didn't go too well. So we left like, oof. But hey, we know we're going to try a redo. You know, tonight at 7, we're going to try it again. Not because mm-hmm. we're looking for more ammunition between <laughs> <laughs> noon and 7. Yeah. But yeah. I'm looking more for like, hey, let me go take a shower spiritually, emotionally. And like, ah, let's try it again. And yeah. we did in Todd's office, like we did an eye contact redo where we're going to redo it. And not like, you know, light a candle and sing Kumbaya, but just try to, try to, be more interactive and try to listen to understand just a little bit better. And it just feels better. Hey, we tried it again. Yay. So then I say, be defined by your redo, not the tough one. Sure. So that's been seeming to gain a little traction because you know what we do. I mean, we are defined by the one that didn't go well, right? And just random, have you seen the quarterback Netflix thing? At all? No. That's out? I haven't. Um, well, one of them is Kirk Cousins. And they do a, a, an overview of him. He's just, and he was talking about the perfectionism thing. You know, the, the Vikings beat the Lions in week three last year. It was an amazing comeback. But he all night thought about that one pass he missed to KJ. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. And that would have helped. And I think, you know, our minds go there too to those as you start the show with that pain place and just stay there mm-hmm. and lock in there. So, yeah. Todd, I just thought, because uh, we're going to go to break here in just a minute, but. This comment I made about peacemakers, they come into the office, and if they were peacemakers, would they would they be better talking to each other? And then I realized a peacemaker could be someone that's trying to avoid conflict. <laughs> well, then the difference is, am I a peacemaker or a peacekeeper? I don't know what the difference is, so maybe we'll if talk I'm, about that when we come back. You got it. Yeah, Todd Mullican is my guest. If you have a question or a comment for Todd, let me know what it is. 877-933-933. Two four, eight four. You can learn more about Todd at his website, toddmulliken.com. M-U-L-L-I-K-E-N. Be right back.
It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Welcome to the show. If you just joined us, I'm talking to Todd Mulliken. And Todd, if you were to play the role of host, you'd do a little recap of what we talked about so far. What would you say? <laughs> <laughs> you talked. You started off with a question if I'm angry and feeling helpless. Does that just mean I'm afraid? Mm-hmm. And then you said you talked about how what's behind the emotion itself, what feeling is behind the feeling. Yeah. So then I talked about how the feeling sheet clinically is actually set up that way where you and I are feeling rejected or something. That actually means we're scared, and that helps us put some feelings together. Yeah. Then we talked about, hey, am I more of a thinker or a feeler? How has God designed me, and how do I know that I'm a thinker? So how do I, I maybe understand feelings more? If I'm a feeler, wonderful, but maybe understand the thinkers more. Mm-hmm. And then we went into... Um, how to start having difficult, you know, when we have difficult conversations as a couple or a family, how do we prepare ourselves to do that well by lowering expectations, by, um, you know, being for the other and seeing their story, knowing, trying to see them as get with God's eyes versus our own eyes at some level. Because mm-hmm. we know their story, we know their struggles, we know their, um, you know, the things that are blocks for them that we all mm-hmm. have. Yeah, and then the last one. <laughs> you wait a minute. You're laughing. <laughs> no, I'm got... laughing because you paid way more attention than I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad it's helping. Yeah, no, no it's good. helping a lot. Thank you for that. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't remember half of that. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, I think the last thing I mentioned was, oh yeah, how do we uh, kind of get that clarifying intention? So now you, we're in that in-game volley back and forth, and how do those get? slippery and elusive well let's clarify intentions if i'm feeling attacked how do i clarify uh, how do i share that with my spouse and say well it's landing a little harsh and then if i'm the spouse sharing it how do i reframe that a little bit because we're for the other and we're just trying to talk about something and then you you were talking a lot about like hey how do what's it like if a couple can come in and be peacemakers Mm -hmm. and then at the very end we talked about I was talking about the difference between peacemaking and peacekeeping, and you told me to... That's what I wanted to know more about. Put a pin in it because we're going to a break. Yeah, Yeah. so now we're back from our break, and you did a lovely job of resetting the show up to this point. Now, if you would, Todd, continue talking about the peacemaker Mm. versus the peacekeeper. I think Mm. this is an important point. Yeah. So, as a prof, one of the classes I'm fortunate enough to teach is social psychology, and it talks about how we operate in social settings as individuals. And there's a a section on conflict and peacemaking, and it starts out with that the definition of peace, one of the definitions of peace, is healthily mediated conflict. Healthy mediated conflict. Right, so that... That's peace. Right. Okay. And Jesus' life had was full of conflicts, difficult situations. It wasn't like, I mean, those three years where there was a ton of that. Uh, we see it all over the book of Acts, et cetera. So, yeah, so not the absence of conflict. No, it well, isn't the absence healthy, of conflict. Healthy, mediated conflict. Right. So, it's one, so for those of us that are conflict avoiders, how do we know, like, it's okay, God's on the throne. It kind of is tough in the moment because we all react under stress. So our body reacts and protects. So how do I know that? And how do I 
try to be for the other and share my perspective. And we did some podcasts on what's the difference between passive behavior, and those people usually avoid conflict, and aggressive behavior, and those people don't usually do conflict well. They don't, they unintentionally kind of violate the rights of the other by just being demanding in the conflict. Um, so it is a great look for the Christian body these days, especially to be peacemakers, not mm-hmm. like, you know, pacifying, but be peacemakers, you know, get into tough conversations, especially people that think different than us and be the one where people leave the room and go, boy, they did their part really well. It's like, oh, that's a win. For the, that's a win for the great commission. It's well, a big win. They're coming from a place of strength. Right. That's attractive. Right. Whereas yeah. peacekeeping is avoiding conflict just to keep um, there to be the absence of conflict. Yeah. And so, and if you're a conflict avoider, that's usually the route you want to take. That's the route you want to take. And yeah. that's not that I would know anything about that, but. <laughs> and you're, uh, and Patrick had like three, <laughs> those are perfect. Like three of the 10 were like that. Yeah. You know, right. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> so, peacekeeping versus peacemaking. If you are in a relationship and you are doing peacekeeping well, I bet you're having fairly vigorous conversations often. If you're doing peacemaking well? If you're doing peacemaking well. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. We're able to kind of talk through difficult differences we have theologically or Mm -hmm. politically or parenting-wise or finances or intimacy or in-laws or, you know, all the things that are tough. And it just means we're, and it's hard. It's really hard to do that well because we're, you know, we're really just pretty judgy on our spouse in those moments. Like, it's a lot of, hey, you're not doing that enough for me. So that's why I go to that lower expectations first. Mm-hmm. In that moment, you know, neither one of you are going to be enough for the other. And that's really like, like, whoa, really? Wait a minute. They need to do this for me right now. They need to be there for me when I'm upset with them. And all I'm saying is that uh, put the shoe on the other foot. How does that work for you when you're on the other end of that? So, but that's a big one. And so that ends up being in the day-to-day fray. And so the way couples stay together versus grow apart, the big one is like, is, hey, that, you know, we both kind of went to Anger Mountain in our own way, and I was sitting in my anger by holding stuff against you and kind of judging the living daylights out of you. And, well, I was just, yeah, I came out too harsh, and I was interrogating you, and that's on me. But mm-hmm. we usually don't do that. We say, well, the reason I did these 14 things is because you have 15 things wrong with you, right? And so that's what we do. We score keep. We hold against. Mm-hmm. So the peacemaking volley is not about pacifying or avoiding our view but knowing like, hey, God is, you know, Jesus is with, you know, the Holy Spirit's with us to advocate for both of us in this area. And just how can we be together on that and see it differently? Mm-hmm. How can we know like, yeah, I was, I was a lot, I was easy on the kids. Yeah, yeah, I came off a little bit too harsh, you know. So what I've always said, Bill, in the latter stages after the redos is the gold standard for couples, the gold standards for families in these tough conversations is, and it's going to sound a little like idealistic, so I'm sorry ahead of time. But it's mutual vulnerability. Like, hey, you know, I find myself thinking right now, like, I want to bring this up because I'm frustrated with how you parented yesterday. And I know I got my own stuff. I'm, not, I'm, just, not, I'm just letting you know, like, I got my stuff too. But when, the way that went, it was really hard for me to watch. How, what was that like for you? What were you going through? You know, so, 
and that was hurtful for me to watch. But what were you going through? Help me understand that. Mm-hmm. That's a better volley, right? And the other person still might say, yeah, you just smoothed that over, but really you're just attacking my parenting right now. Mm. And so then I tell that person, well, you know, you can do that or you can trust their intention, mm. your, your choice. So that's the other thing I talk about is trusting each other's intention. Yeah. Well, I said I was sorry. Why are you bringing this up again? Yeah. I thought we talked through that. Yeah. I thought we did that in the redo yesterday. Yeah. Right? And so, so if I'm hanging on to stuff, it's usually because I'm thinking back to what wasn't, what wasn't resolved enough yet for me. I don't think they did that enough for me yet. They're not meeting my love language enough mm-hmm. in this area. And why aren't they? What's that about? So now look out. And again, we didn't do that. Those couples I'm going to see tonight, they're probably on their second date. They probably didn't say, hey, here's a list of my love languages. They're busy. <laughs> <laughs> they mm-hmm. probably didn't lead out with scorekeeping. Yeah. So, Todd, what if, you, what if you're listening and you think, uh-oh, I don't know if for the last 30 years of our marriage we've ever done peacemaking well or at all. Join the club. Oh, it's a huge club. okay, but uh, well, how do I start this thing afresh? Because mm. I, I want to maybe turn a page and this would be good, but how do I do it? And I got to have my partner on board. Yep. How do I do that? Yeah, each case is different. Yeah. But the gold standard is both people see that God's God and I'm not. But what a lot of times happens, Bill, is the couple is in a good place. Somebody hears the show or somebody hears something else or somebody's talking to a buddy and they say, hey, I've got some ideas for us. And the other person that's receiving is going, well, I don't know if, I, I don't know if I'm trusting that. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah. that's why I've got to make sure in my alone time with God, I got to make sure what is my mindset towards my spouse today? You know? So they just brought up this idea. They heard this show, and the person was talking about peacemaking, and they want us to do better with that, and I want to do my part better, and I want us to be better at that. What do you think? That's as good a volley as you can have. And if the other, good pers- point. The other person shuts down, that's really a them issue. Yeah. And then you, you don't have to say, no, 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 no. You just get to go, well, I, I see you're shutting down, but just letting you know I'm for you, and I'd love to you know, have you listen to this thing or see what you think and... I'm just, because I know for 30 years, I've been maybe too quiet or I've held stuff against you and that's on me. So if I'm going to lead out with that, Bill, I'm also going to own my part in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a that's critical, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Todd Mulligan, if, uh, let's talk about the three R's to pursue when we're feeling off. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, whether we're having, like you started to show with that, that issue of helplessness, whether I'm navigating out of a depressive episode, whether anxiety has been loud because work has been really stressful, I'm just feeling off. That makes sense, you mm-hmm. know, in some area of my story, I'm feeling off. What we've found that's really helpful, at least for me in my practice, is the pursuit of three things that are really helpful. One is the pursuit of rest in God. So, am I resting in Him with good sleep? Am I resting in Him with time alone to just rest? And rest can look differently for each of us. Rest for me might be tonight after I've had a fun time on the talk, go for a ride around the lakes with my wife just to rest and to hang and to be. And to, So it doesn't mean I have to be alone and pray for four hours. I would love to be alone and pray. That's good too. Or we might pray together. But I'm just saying different people find rest in different ways, but know what brings you rest in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And some people find rest spiritually by connecting with others. Make sense? Yeah. And so the first R is rest. How do we rest well? That's the first R. Mm-hmm. I like that. So, Kim, how do you rest? 
Not that I'm going to put you on the spot, but look at that. I just put you on the spot. <laughs> I'm, an, I'm an introvert. I like to be by myself and okay. read or go for a walk like, by myself. Like just and, alone. Yeah, mm-hmm. just you. Mm-hmm. And how much time do you need before you start to feel like, all right, that worked? I feel like if I'm up on it and I keep after that, and that's part of like caring for myself, yeah. then it's maybe 45 minutes or okay. an hour. But sometimes the tank gets really drained. Mm-hmm. And then it could be like half a day would be what <laughs> I would sure. prefer, which I don't always get, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> and how cool was it, Kay? I don't know if you can remember, you know, you're probably half my age, right? But anyway, so like about 15, 10, 15 years ago, there's books came, came out for introverts. Hey, the power of quiet. Mm-hmm. And it was yeah. a game changer. Yeah. I've made like, extroverts in my life read that book. <laughs> <laughs> it was a game changer. So great. So, yeah. and that's the big difference I talk about tonight with the people like, you know, the people that love you and are close to you. Do they acknowledge and celebrate your introversion or actually do you as an introvert celebrate that? Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, and so that's, and I, as an extrovert, you know, that after 45 minutes, I'd be going like, okay, let's go, right? Like, <laughs> like I get up in the morning, I just want to talk to my wife. She's an introvert. She said, I'll get back to you in an hour and a half. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, but I just want to get going. So yeah. we, we find rest in Jesus different ways. Like if we had a campfire tonight with some of our best friends and just hung and just were there, I go, oh, I'm at rest. That's good. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's the first way. And that helps us calibrate if we are feeling stressed out or depressed or All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll find the other two R's, rest being number one. And I'm going to have some suspense as uh, we have Todd Mullican here in studio. He's going to give us the other two R's. When we return, we'll take a very short break. Be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. One of the many things I like about taking breaks is it gives me a chance to think. And one of the things I was thinking about, Todd Mulliken, is the rest. You throw that R out there for rest, and I, I think that can be very challenging. I know it's smart to rest, but a lot of people have a hard time doing it. Yeah. Uh, me being one of them. Hmm. So, there. Do you, you're, when you're alone in your thoughts, do you like that, though? I feel calm when I'm alone in my thoughts. Mm-hmm. So, But brings... that doesn't feel like rest. Mm-hmm. It feels like pause. Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> the difference. It's interesting. Uh, national research has talked about what's all called the WILD-5. Mm-hmm. WILD stands for Wellness Intervention for Life Demands. So there's Say that again. You said that Wellness Interventions for Life's Demands. What okay. are we finding that are five things that really help, like these three R's? Yeah. And the first one is sleep optimization. Okay. So how are you and I in Jesus really optimizing our sleep? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? And, you know, not to go on and on, but, you know, there's sleep, knowing about the length of a sleep cycle, which is an hour and a half, and I teach on that quite a bit. Like, so if you wake up and you got a half, you got 45 minutes, you wake up 45 minutes early and you feel rested, stay up. Because if you go back to sleep, you'll wake up in what's called the third stage of sleep, and you'll feel, that'll be a really deep sleep, your alarm goes off, and you feel like I got hit by a truck, Mm -hmm. and you'll be off for half a day. Okay. Not the end of the world. Yeah. But if you are going through other stressors, that's just not helpful. So sleep optimization is one of the key things to find rest, too. Okay, all right. So optimizing sleep is big. All right, what's uh, number two when I it just, comes to I, R? I don't want to forget to say that 
Somebody texted me said the, the, the fourth R is restaurants, so <laughs> just, I had to throw that out there. I like that. That's pretty good, though. I mean, it is, yeah. yeah. Um, the second one is routine, and this isn't meant to have rigidity to it, but what kind of routines or rhythms, I use both of those R's, so main rhythms of spiritual rhythms, so what are yours and my spiritual practices we're doing that are rhythmic that we do, you know, whether it's fellowship, prayer, reading the word, listen to some, you know, worship music, you know, what, what are some routines that we run towards that calibrate us uh, spiritually? What is our vocational rhythm right now? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? What does our avocational rhythm look like? What is our, you know, dietary rhythm look like? And so what rhythms are we having in our life? Uh, and look at those rhythms and evaluate those with God and, and get busy kind of creating those rhythms. And then the routines are really helpful, not for rigidity, but just like when I have people that are struggling with mental health issues, you know, with depression, with anxiety, especially with bipolar disorder, the rhythms are clearly sleep optimization, healthy routines that you look forward to that help you get back to center mm -hmm. right, in Jesus. So, uh, I think rhythms are really important. What are your most common rhythms right now spiritually? What are your, you know, what do you think? What does your vocational rhythm look like? Mm -hmm. And because uh, when people get off, usually uh, when I see them, they'll usually say, "My, I, I, you know, I feel really scattered. I don't know what. I just feel off." Mm -hmm. And so sometimes the way God has designed us, getting some rhythms and routines in there for us really matter. Um, you know, I think of a lot of people I've worked with just even the last year where the um, getting back to a good, healthy sleep pattern that's rhythmic, knowing when their quiet time is, knowing, you know, when they're getting their workout in, knowing when they're spending time with their spouse. It isn't like it's color-coded every day, but mm -hmm. they're, they know those rhythms are coming back. Because otherwise, with the dysregulation that happens when we're under stress with anxiety or we're flat on our back emotionally due to depression or and mild, moderate, or severe of those, uh, or we have more significant mental health issues, um, it's, it's hard to find that center. And so um, in that dysregulation moment, we usually, that, the issue gets louder. The fear gets louder with anxiety because we're ruminating. Um, the depression gets more isolating because we're, um, we lack interest. Our, our interests that we normally have, we don't want to do. Uh, we have excessive guilt. We have lots of issues going in our head, right? And then with other mental health issues, we just struggle a lot. So getting back to some rhythms and routines help calibrate the body and the mind. Mm -hmm. um, do I got time to go over those other four? Yeah, you do. Okay. So the other four in the wild five are, and they're pretty common sense, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one is dietary, which doesn't mean it being a diet. It just means like what is actually our, our, our you know, our, our rhythms of food and drink, mm -hmm. right? What are our rhythms that way? Uh, and the third one is exercise. Uh, I remember, this is so far back, Bill, but it, it was back in the day where they had transparencies, not PowerPoints. So how, mm -hmm. how far back was that? A while. That was a while ago. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And the person said, here's the, because it's the national conference I go to, I have gone to for 34 years in a row now. And he said, here is the latest medicine that's found to be most effective for anxiety and depression. The room's filled mostly with, you know, psychologists, psychiatrists, and then some counselors mm -hmm. and some social workers. 
And you're all kind of going, well, I wonder if it's going to be, you know, Prozac or when it's going to be everyone, Axel. Everyone's leaning in, aren't well, they? This is it. You know, yeah. this is the one I prescribed and we had some pharmaceuticals there yeah. too. Like, hey, it's going to be my man, right? Yeah. And it said exercise. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Huh. And that's, see, so what kind of exercise rhythm do I have? The fourth is social connectivity, right? That's a key to, to for you and I getting back to center in Jesus's. Mm-hmm. But as we've learned today at this show, like we each find different ways to socially connect, right? But how am I doing that? So if I'm an extrovert, how am I socially connecting by reaching out and connecting a little bit more? I have a men's opportunity Wednesday at church. I'm feeling sluggish. I had a long day at work. I don't really want to go and I'll hit the next one. No big deal. It doesn't make I, ha- I have to go. I get to go. Mm-hmm. And after I've gone, I've connected with, you know, 43 different men. It's like, oh, feel good. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, or, you know, I've had a day where I've had 14 meetings and I'm an introvert. I'm going to stay home and read a book and I'm going to have maybe one friend that I'm having coffee with tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that deep mm-hmm. dive with him or her. And yeah. So social connectivity is huge. Then the last one is mindfulness. And for us as Christians, you know, we're just doing that that prayer rhythm that's huge. And we're finding in recent research that mindfulness prayer is as effective as effective as medicine in cases of generalized anxiety. Not significant, you know, severe anxiety where there's panic attacks and those kinds of things, but mm-hmm. the kind of that stress ball where the what-if house you and I have talked about is pretty big and a lot of rooms, high rent district, where what-ifing a lot versus what isn't very much. Say that again, Todd. Which part? The, the, the what-if and the high rent district. Yeah, so you and I have talked about the what-if house. So when we get anxious, one of the things we do is go to what if this could happen, what if that what if something bad happens? And when I'm what ifing, I'm usually taking the car to the worst possible scenario mm-hmm. and hanging out there and having a party. Mm-hmm. And and I got plenty of rooms in my house of that mm-hmm. versus taking that same car and going to what is true. Now, it could be bad news. It could be I had a really bad day at work, but that's what is true. And then you said, I think even off air today, and then what's the plan? You know, God, what are you helping me with? Am I meeting with my boss tomorrow at three that I woke up at three in the morning thinking about now my, my what if house is gaining a lot of traction. Mm-hmm. And so that key R that we're not for is rumination. And rumination is the big thing that people struggle with that makes it hard to get back to the good rhythm. So, you know, Paul was not wrong when he said pray unceasingly. It's not like an obligation. It's an opportunity. Um, and I, all the time when I'm stressed the most, I know for sure after I've gone somewhere and it's 15 minutes later, I go, oh my gosh, I spent 15 minutes thinking about the what if. And at minute three, what if, what if I would have brought the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit in there and just had him join me in what I'm worried about? So really that practice of integrating God's mercies into that stressful time through prayer and just communication with God is a game changer for us. And we just get to do that more. Mm-hmm. We do. We get yeah. to do that. Very interesting. You know, I think the, the what if world that you can live in is, uh, cause I, I can be a ruminator and I, I sometimes think of the time I spend in what I have thought in my past as the perception zone, mm. which I perceive what it's going to be like. And then you get into the reality zone and you go, whoa, 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 <laughs> why did I waste so much time in the perception zone? 
I like that. Because yeah, perception the, the, the reality yeah. is nothing like all this energy I spent thinking about, ruminating about stuff. Yes. And the anticipation, the apprehension of what's coming is what the body builds up, you know, before that's the key to social anxiety, the key to mis- to treating social anxiety, because that can be really problematic and hard, right? Mm-hmm. Is that apprehension of a what if this, what if that, and the perception zone. I love that. Can I use that? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, nice. I mean, but if you if you have to... Because then what is true afterwards is probably most of the time, oh. like, oh, that, God, that went okay. I mean, or, most of the time. Yeah. Or you have to give a presentation or you have to perform and you're in a, you know, very stressful environment, a lot of people, and you and you, you just labor over that thinking, I can't, I can't bomb, I got, you know, I got, I, this has got to go well, rah, rah, you know, and you just fret and you're in this perception zone of this could, this could not go well. Yeah. You know, and then all right. of a sudden... You show up and you do what God's gifted you to do, and you go, "Oh, wait, well, that's kind of fun." Why did I spend so much time in that zone, wasting time? Yeah, yeah. That's that's that key verse, isn't it? Where He guards our heart. Yeah, yeah. Just bring Him in earlier. I, I'm trying to do that more and more. Just yeah, bring Him in earlier. Yeah, I can certainly do that here on the radio. Is mm. to you mm-hmm. know feel like the content I, I'm bringing to the show Mm. and you fret about it and you think about it and you hope it's going to land with Mm -hmm. people and you hope it encourages people and gives them hope and helps them grow their faith and everything else. Yeah. All right, Todd, that was fun. As always, have a great weekend. Appreciate it. Yeah. Todd Mullican has been my guest. You can go to his website, Todd Mullican, M-U-L-L-I-K-E-N.com. He learned today that com stands for commercial. So he had a good day here at Faith Radio. We'll take a break and be right back with Hour 2. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.